take a second to, oh, hello, good morning, how's everyone? <laughs> good to see you this morning. So uh, take a second and reflect on that. Um, here's what Alan Watts said, and this is, a, this is an older proverb that Alan Watts is the guy reading at the sharing. Uh, he, said, he said at the end, it is really impossible to tell whether anything happened, whether anything that happens, uh, whether it's good or bad, because you will never know the consequences from an event. Anybody like that idea? Maybe. Some people find that comforting. Some people maybe not. I mean, I would find it difficult to live life saying, well, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, just imagine an, an amazing event. Like your, your kid runs up to you and says, Daddy, 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 I, 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 I did a backflip. Isn't that cool? Maybe. <laughs> Talk about a downer. <laughs> But I do think there's something really fascinating. I heard this parable many years ago, and I've, I've used it in conversation many times um, because I, I find it so fascinating. And the reason I share it today is because when we look at the story of Paul and Lydia, my mind went to this, and I thought, well, here's a case in which Paul goes through and will go through various forms of misfortune, at least from a human perspective, and yet he seems to have a drive and a purpose through it all. Then we'll meet a woman named Lydia, which we, we don't learn a whole lot about. But, but knowing her position, she's well off. She's a seller of purple cloth. And yet something seems to be missing from her life. She, she's searching for something. So I'm fascinated by the question, how do you give meaning to events in your life? So ask yourself that question. How do you give meaning? Meaning. How do you attribute meaning to events in your life? I'm going to invite Ruth up to read um, the text. There you are. Um, and, and think about that question. How do you attribute meaning to events in your life? Morning, everyone. The reading this morning is from Acts chapter 16, and we're reading from verse 11 to 15. It's on page 1112 in your Bibles. It's titled, Lydia's Conversation in Philippi. From Traos, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Thank you, Ruth.
I've entitled this uh, talk, To Embrace and Be Embraced. And I hope you see that arc um, throughout this. Um, but to take a step back before we continue, uh, a little bit of context from last week. I probably should have quizzed you to see if you remembered these rather than putting it up on the screen. Um, but Matt spoke, with, spoke to us uh, last week, wherever he is, and um, he, he gave us these steps. You see, you see, Paul was trying to go to a place um, that we might call Asia Minor. Um, some texts may just call it Asia. Um, the, the reference to Asia there would be a western part of modern-day Turkey. Um, and it says that the Spirit of God or the Spirit of Jesus prevented him or forbidden him from going there. And we're, not ex- we're, not, we're not given an explanation why. And these were the steps that, that Matt walked us through. He said, go until God says stop. God can stop you easy. When God says go, go. So Paul, for whatever reason, wanted to go to this place called Asia Minor. He wanted to reach the people there. And knowing Paul, he would have been passionate about that. We read elsewhere um, in which Paul says, I want to be all things to all people so that some might be saved. Paul had a, a fervent, urgent message, and yet he's prevented. I'm sure he was frustrated. And yet, what did he do? Unlike Jonah, in running the opposite way, he altered course. And he went to this new place. And we're actually going to find something rather unexpected when he gets there. So I want to continue this conversation about how should we go. Because the last words that Jesus leaves us as he's ascending up to heaven are, go, right? Go make disciples of all nations. So the Acts of the Apostles, this book, are the stories of those carrying out that command of Jesus. They are going. And we're learning about how we should go. So I want to look at, look at um, this story through a bit of a lens, through three virtues that Paul often talks about. Does anybody know the three major virtues that Paul talks about? Three major Christian virtues? I'll give you the first one, faith. Hope and charity or love, yes. And so I want to suggest that we can see Paul going in faith, going in hope, and going in love. And by going in faith, going in hope, and going in love, the events that happen, the circumstances that change his course do not cause him to lose hope. Do not cause them to lose a sense of purpose or a sense of urgency. Because unlike the story of the farmer and a horse, he had a ground to know that things will turn out good in the end. He didn't have to simply say, well, maybe, maybe this is good that God prevented me from going to Asia Minor. Because he knows the kind of God who's sending him. And so he can have faith and he can have hope as he goes. But as we reflect upon faith, hope, and love as he's going, I, I love this quote by Joseph Wellam. He says, faith, hope, love is not a thing. It is a life. It is Christian life. So another way to think through this, when we think of go in faith, go in hope, go in love, we could also say, go being a faithful one. Go being a hopeful one. Go being a loving one. So what does Paul do 
when he's forbidden to go to Asia Minor, he changes course and he heads straight to this place called Philippi, a Roman colony. Now, I am a Buffalo Bills fan. We just had our draft. Um, who does not know what I just said? <laughs> Thank you. So the Buffalo Bills are an uh, American football team. Um, went through a 17-year drought of not making the playoffs. I'm sure you probably could think of some UK or European football teams who have gone through similar droughts. Have there been any that have gone through droughts that long? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Football over here. But anyhow, this is the coach, Sean McDermott. Cool guy. Christian gentleman as well. Um, and he has this phrase, trust the process. Trust the process. He became the head coach of the Buffalo Bills, the NFL team in Buffalo, um, about five years ago. And after so many years, he knew it was going to take time to turn things around. So he said, I got a plan. Just trust the process. It was probably also him saying, hey, don't fire me before I fix things. Give me a chance. It'll take time. Do you know what Paul did? Paul trusted the process. Why? Because he knew God. And he knew God loved and desired the people he wanted to reach more than Paul did himself. Have you ever thought about that? God loves you more than you love yourself. God loves those you want to reach, those you want to help, more than you love them. I know sometimes it, it might not seem like it. Sometimes it can be frustrating, confusing. You know, I wonder what Paul was thinking when he got prevented from Asia. Maybe he's like, oh, how fortunate, Un unfortunate. Maybe. Maybe not. Paul trusted the process, and so he went to Philippi. And through his faith, he went in hope. He went expecting, when he went outside the city, to find a place of prayer. Now, a few things about faith and hope. Faith is not blind. Faith is trust. Trusting, knowing that God is good, even though you don't see the results yet. The same thing is true of faith. Faith doesn't mean you're just going to sit around on your butt, just waiting for God to do things because you think things are going to turn out all right. No, what did Paul do? God changed his course, and then he had a plan of action. He went outside to the city to this place called a place of prayer. Some commentators, commentators think it may have been a synagogue, could have been a building, but it likely wasn't. Likely in Philippi, there probably weren't enough men at the time to, to have a synagogue. Um, during rabbinic tradition around that time, you needed 10 males to officially have a synagogue in a city. And uh, this would make sense why when Paul gets to this place of prayer, he finds women there. So Paul, I want to suggest, goes in hope. He doesn't just kind of kick around waiting for God to fix things after God changed his path. But no, hope drives him to move. So faith steadied Paul through the process. Hope moved Paul through the process. What was the last one? He went in love. Now I'm going to come back to this a bit more because it will be a bit more relevant toward the end of the story. But I'll just suggest right here that faith steadies us, hope moves us, and love ultimately unites us to the people we seek to reach. So jumping over to the other character in the story, this Lydia. Now Lydia is a seller of purple cloth. What we know about this is she was likely well off. 
Um, there is some research that perhaps around this time, the household of Caesar could even have had a monopoly on purple. We're not quite sure when that monopoly started. Um, if that's the case, she may very well have been part of the broader house of Caesar. That's speculation. We don't know. But we know she was likely well off. And yet she's attending this place of prayer. There's this phrase used of her, God worshiper. Luke uses it. He uses a few different words. In some cases, like for example in Cornelius in Acts 10, he uses the phrase God-fearer. Those are synonyms for someone who is outside the Jewish faith, but is sympathetic to the Jewish faith in some way. So what can we really know about Lydia? Well, outside of her being well-off, having some kind of inclination or interest in Judaism, it's hard to say. We're not given much. But I want to I speculate if you can give it to me for a bit. Kind of looking at the range of, of possibilities for, for what Luke would have called a God worshiper. Let's consider each and think about what Lydia may have been thinking, what Lydia may have been desiring. What was it in Paul's message when Paul sat down and spoke to her and spoke to the women there that made her move from a God worshiper, someone on the outside but not quite, not quite committed, not quite on the inside, to being a Christ follower who then invites him to stay in her home. Well, the first one, which I, I think is actually rather unlikely, but um, it's a possibility, so let's talk about it. Um, it's that she was merely interested in Jewish teaching. So maybe you could say maybe she was hedging her bets. Maybe you know people like that. You know, well, maybe there's a God out there. Maybe there's a higher power, but I can't quite commit to anything. But, you know, just in case God exists, just in case this stuff is real, I probably should live a good life. Maybe I should go to church once in a while. You know, I, I kind of like this God stuff, but isn't it enough just to believe that there's a higher power? You know, perhaps you know people who don't like organized religion. You know, organized religion often makes things messy, doesn't it? You know, if you can just be spiritual but not religious, if you can just have your, your own faith, your own belief in God without joining a community, without committing to any particular teachings like those of Christ, well, who needs the arrogance and the abuse of Pharisees? That of pastors, that of ministers, that of priests. Perhaps Lydia was on the outside because she just had some vague interest, was hedging her bets, saying, you know what, maybe, maybe there's something true in this, so I should listen to it. You know, there's some, there's some ancient wisdom here, but it's not all true. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Lydia was in that place. Maybe Lydia liked the rituals. That's another a definition of a, a God worshiper, someone who would practice the, the, the Jewish rituals, liked being part of the scene, liked being part of the, the festivals, like the social aspect. Maybe, maybe being uh, uh, loosely associated with the community, even if you're not quite on the inside and you're just on the outside. I was reading recently about a, uh, a number of atheists who were revisit revisiting. I'm going to screw up that. Is that even songs? Is that what you guys call them? Is that right? Someone give me a nod. Even songs? Because of some sense of nostalgia or peace. So when they were going to these churches, they're beautiful things, right? And so they'll feel a, a sense of nostalgia. So that we want to be, be part of that community, find some kind of peace or sacred space, but didn't want to commit to God, didn't want to commit to Christ. 
a God worshiper could be within that category. Now, I don't, I don't think this was Lydia, but, but maybe. And maybe you know people who are in that position. Maybe you are in that position. Maybe you like church because it gives you some good moral foundation. Maybe because it gives you something to do on the weekends. Because we all don't have busy enough lives already. But maybe Lydia wanted to be part of a community. But she just couldn't get in. That's another form of a God worshiper. Due to certain ethnic barriers during first century Judaism, particularly for women. Perhaps she wanted to commit to the Jewish faith, but just couldn't get inside. Are any of you in those positions? Maybe you've come to Hope City for a while. Maybe you've wanted to, to be a part of this community, and you're not quite sure what to do. You're not quite sure how to be a part of the community. Let's look at Paul's message. Paul's message isn't shared in this text, so we have to look elsewhere. It just says Paul talked to them. So to be honest, full transparency, I don't know what Paul said. But I probably know kind of what Paul said, because Paul says the same thing a whole lot. Here's what Paul writes to the Romans. He says, For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him, that is Jesus, will never be put to shame. He goes on to say, For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says, he kind of defines the gospel as Jesus' death, burial, in resurrection, a resurrection witnessed by many. We celebrated that a few weeks ago now. I think this message probably resonated with Lydia. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. You know what? Maybe the other cases were true, but I, I think Lydia probably wanted to be in the faith. I think Lydia was stuck on the outside, quite literally outside the city in the place of prayer, but also outside the people of God. She wasn't born Jewish. And do you remember that thing about Paul wanting to go to Asia Minor? Do you know where Lydia's from? Asia Minor. She's a Gentile from Asia Minor, the people that Paul originally wanted to, to reach. And then God diverted him elsewhere. And then Paul gets this Macedonian call from a man. And the first one he interacts with is a a woman. How much does that say? I don't know, but I find it pretty cool. I think it says the gospel's for all people. God didn't prevent Paul from going to Asia Minor because he didn't want to reach the people there. He diverted them, and he ends up reaching someone from there. And Paul would later go on to reach the people of Asia Minor. And we would see, we see letters to the churches in Asia Minor in the book of Revelation. But coming back to Lydia, how, how exciting, how, how 
joyful must it have been to hear that message saying, you know what? The barrier's gone. This guy named Jesus, who's God, came, died for you, rose again to knock down that barrier so there's no longer any difference between Jew and Gentile. You can come in. You're part of the family. And do you know why I think this is probably the right interpretation of Lydia? Is because of what she asks next. She says, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. She was eager. She wanted their stamp of approval. If you come and stay with me, if you come and eat with me, that's you saying, we are part of the same family. We are part of the same people. What joy that must have been for Lydia. We saw Paul go in faith, go in hope, and go in love as he accepts Lydia's invitation and goes to her house, saying, you are part of the people of God. And he would baptize her to identify her with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So to the Christians here, we're called to go. Go in faith, go in hope, go in love. And if you're outside the faith today, the offer is there to come, to come, in, to come into the faith, to come into hope. All those things go on in your life. You don't have to be like that farmer saying maybe. You can have a faith, a hope, in a God who loves you immensely. And you can have a confidence that maybe not tomorrow, maybe not next week, but ultimately things will be made right. And your life will be meaningful. These events in your life will be meaningful. You can look back on them and say, what good fortune. Ultimately, in the gospel, we are called to embrace and be fully embraced. In the gospel, we are called to embrace and be fully embraced. Now, I understand some of you, if you're, you're outside the faith, you might say, well, this sounds all good, but how do I know it's true? Well, if you have another three hours, I'm happy to. Uh, <laughs> I am actually um, happy to do lunch or coffee. But we also have um, this thing called Uncover that um, Carolyn is organizing. Uh, why don't you sign up for that? Um, take at least that step. Maybe it's like Lydia going to the place of prayer. Well, let me, let me at least take that step to go and to sit under some teaching and to think and to learn and discuss. And we're okay with questions here. You can ask whatever question you want like in like two minutes when I finish. But the message of the gospel is come. The message of the gospel to the Christian is go. And so what are we doing today? I'm going to invite Ezra up to come and uh, help us reflect. Um, it's a song, One Thing, and 